I invested in the Twistizer. And so we, we actually lost a half a million dollars engineering it, manufacturing it. We went from prototype all the way through. And, and I, I always say, I said, if someone named Chubby walks in your office to sell something that's fitness oriented, next time I'm going to say no. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the Ziggler Show, where we inspire your true performance. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. In this show, my co-host, Mark Tim, and I bring you a literal business legend, Kevin Harrington. He literally invented the infomercial and was one of the original Shark Tank members on the hit ABC show. Kevin has launched over 20 businesses that have grown to over $100 million in sales each and has been involved in more than a dozen public companies and has launched over 500 products generating more than $5 billion in sales worldwide. The guy knows business. In this show, you'll hear a lot, but some of the highlights or some of the interesting things from my standpoint, he credits Zig Ziglar's book, Secrets of Closing the Sale, as a primary tool that spawned his success. He talks about why businesses need investment and capital now more than they ever used to, startups and such. How audiences have shorter attention spans and want authenticity. Why he considers us to be in a gig economy and an idea economy and how instead of employing people, he outsources much more these days. And he ultimately wants to be known as the guy who helps others build their businesses. You can connect with Kevin and all he's doing at Kevin Harrington TV. Well, hey, today's show is brought to you in part by grasshopper. If you're an entrepreneur, a small business owner, or even if you have a side gig, Grasshopper is the entrepreneur's phone system. Grasshopper lets you send and receive calls and texts from your new business phone number. That way you can run your business from anywhere and respond to clients quickly with Grasshopper's mobile apps. Be professional, responsive, and efficient with Grasshopper. Get your business phone number today. Go to grasshopper.com slash Ziggler to get $20 off your first month. Okay, friends, here, Mark, Tim, and I bring you Kevin Harrington. Well, Kevin, just uh, thrilled to have you on the show, eager to dive into your story, though I got to start off with, I was looking at your Facebook page and you had a meme there about inventing the infomercial, which you actually did, though at face value, I'm thinking it's like Al Gore invented the internet, you know, except with you, it's, it's, we know it's legit. That's a pretty heady thing to have as a claim to your name. Has, has that steered a significant part of your success journey? Well, yeah, thanks, Kevin. I think I've, I have been now 32 years in the, the infomercial business, the as seen in TV business. And what's funny is, you know, we, we call it the infomercial business today. But when I started back in the in the in the 80s, uh, we didn't even that term had not even been used at that stage because nobody knew what these 30 minute long commercials were. And, um, you know, it, it was it was very exciting to, for me as a as a young entrepreneur back then to be able to be in on the, the ground floor of something that uh, actually at the time I didn't realize was going to become a global industry, but um, it was just sort of, hey, there was some downtime on my Discovery Channel in my local market. They had six hours a day. Discovery turned out to be an 18-hour-a-day channel, and I thought, 
what can I put on that six hours a day that's that that's not being utilized by the cable company and by Discovery? And I just started filling products and and putting content uh, that sold uh, different things and, uh, and 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 make a long story short that. That was the growth in the beginning then of the infomercial industry. So uh, it's now become a global industry. It's, it's just super exciting to, um, to be part of something that has, has become a global, a global industry and in virtually in 100 plus countries around the world. And, you know, I, I remember, Kevin, from your story that you actually took the infomercial concept globally. Like you, you're the one who took it into some of these global markets. And so I'm sure you had to name it something different every market you went. <laughs> well, so, we, so. we, we, and when we went to um, England, we, you know, we were saying we, at that time it was in the nineties and, and they were saying, what, what is this in, infomercial thing you're talking about? And I said, it's sort of like, think of it this way. It's like television. I said, it's not television. Um, it, it's a show, but we're selling it's television. So uh, our, our company in England was called television. And um, and that's what the when we would get press about we were launching in England, they said, hey, this this company from the United States is is doing uh, something called television because it, it's it's like television, but it's it sells. And so, yeah, we we because we had to explain it to these other these other countries as we went around the world. So Ziegler, I mean, the heart of this show is inspiration, motivation, which Zig says, you know, it's the fuel that drives success. You've accomplished a dramatic amount. You're currently involved in what looks like a, a world of activity, ventures and endeavors. What drives Kevin Harrington? What drives me is, is, is being able to connect with entrepreneurs on a day-to-day basis. Um, because when I was a young entrepreneur, um, I was kind of on an island all to myself. Um, I, I was fortunate. I, I, my father was entrepreneurial, but he was in the restaurant business. And so um, I, you know, I started at a young age working for him, but, um, and learning, you know, some of the, the, the internal workings entrepreneurially is, you know, when I was a, a kid, but um, when I got into the business that I'm in now, um, we were, we were learning things the hard way because we, we were using, you know, from phone centers to customer service centers to fulfillment centers to global distribution. We were dubbing into foreign languages and there, there wasn't a, a, a guidebook for, you know, for, for all of these things um, at, at that particular time, in, in all honesty. So, so we were making many, many mistakes. And, and, I, and, and I often, you know, now as, as an entrepreneur, um, after 30 some years of doing this, I say to myself, I, I see young entrepreneurs coming in to the, into uh, the, the world of entrepreneurship. And I say, there's so many things that I've learned and learned in many cases the hard way. And now I, you know, I utilize mentors in my life. And this is something I believe is very, very powerful. Um, I, it's, it's, I believe I have um, the, the, um, you know, the, the requirement of me as an entrepreneur now is to help other entrepreneurs become uh, as successful as possible because I've, I've learned some of the things that they're going to be going through. And I just, I, I just want to share uh, these things with the new entrepreneurs that are coming out in, in the world. Well, and so with that, I mean, I, you know, looking at, at all you're doing right now, 
to help entrepreneurs, obviously you've got a wealth of business strategy know-how. You've got a lot out there about raising money, which I want to ask you about because we've got a lot of listeners who are immensely interested in that. But you're, when I look at you know social media and your website and everything that you're doing, it's significantly, I mean, it's, it's Ziegler, it's personal development. And so is that because that is your heart or you just realize the necessary personal development skills needed for business success. So it's a means to an end. Yeah, I think, I think absolutely. I believe that, uh, oftentimes entrepreneurs, they, 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 they focus, uh, too much sometimes on, on just, you know, the, the bottom line, um, or, um, you know, getting to, um, um, you know, the ringing the cash register, so to speak, you know, making the sale. And that, that obviously is important. As, you know, an entrepreneur has to understand, you know, to be successful, ultimately their business, you know, you've got to have income flow and less that's going out on the expense side. Um, so that is important. But I believe personal development and, and achieving the, the right kind of mental state for yourself, for your people, um, empowering people, creating win-win relationships, with employees, mm-hmm. um, with partners along the way. Um, th- this was, 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 was one of the foundations that I built my business on when we were dealing with product suppliers, with hosts, with talent, with demonstrators, with the pitch guys that you know, we found in the industry. We wanted, you know, th- th- we knew that, that this was a business that was, had great potential across the board. And, and so, it was important to develop long-term relationships. And, and I think that th- these are the foundations that, that Zig Ziglar uh, has created and, 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 and things that, that I uh, believed in tremendously uh, from the beginning of starting my businesses. And so, so I believe that at, at the end of the day, personal development and, and building upon a strong foundation with, with, with people loving what they do, believing they've got um, you know, a great empowerment of, of their own inside uh, the relationship with us, uh, because we we didn't, you know, yes, we had employees, but, you know, employees, you can tell them what to do, but um, partners, you know, you, you, you know, they, they're not going to come back if you don't treat them fairly the first time around, right? So, um, so it, it, you know, I think having great relationships and, and developing these for long-term structures was was vital to the success of, of my business. Well, you are a business titan, a celebrity, inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks on ABC Shark, Shark Tank. Uh, but you said this, <clears throat> I've been an entrepreneur. This is a quote that I grabbed uh, about you. I've been an entrepreneur more than 40 years, but when you think about all of my business success, the key to all that success is sales. And Zig Ziglar is the master of sales. I simply would not be where I am today if it weren't for Mr. Ziglar. That's a huge statement, and I want to know, and I know Mark has been privy to some of your story, but just about this influence that Zig had on your life. So, yes, absolutely. I think, you know, I, I, could, I could go back, you know, uh, and, 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 you know, maybe start. I think I, I, when I was nine years old, um, I was selling newspapers on the, the street corner, and um, I think we were selling them for a dime, and I, I got – uh, two cents a paper or something like that. And, and so, um, you know, my, my father was a, a restaurateur and, 
and he said, uh, Kevin, you know, you're, you know, you seem to, you know, to really love getting out there, meeting people, you know, selling on the street corner. I had, he had restaurants. So at 11, I started working in his restaurants. But what, what, what was funny is I would see my father out front and, and he was out, you know, meeting all the, the, the customers and, 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 you know, taking care of them, getting, making them happy. And, and the police officers in the neighborhood were always in our restaurants. And, you know, that, that gave everybody a comfort level. And, you know, I was like, always understood that, you know, relationships and, and creating these long-term kind of relationships with your customers, with the community was important. And, you know, then I, I started along the way of, you know, uh, uh, my father wanted me to be in business for myself. And I, I started a driveway sealing company. And, and then I was knocking on doors, selling driveway sealing. So at the end of the day, uh, yes, I built, you know, uh, a business that is, you know, for, for more than 40 years as a, as a salesperson and an entrepreneur knocking on doors. But it, it all boiled down to, the, the, you know, really closing the sale was, was kind of the, you know, what it took from the very beginning. because. When I was, you know, I, I, I talked about the driveway ceiling. I, I was knocking on doors and, and the first time around, uh, you know, I'd go through a neighborhood and meet with 20 people and, and, and they, they would all look at me and say, no, no, thanks. I'm not interested. And once I learned how to close the sale and, and then come back at it, you know, I could get 18 of, of the 20 to say yes. So, so I think, uh, you know, I understood and, and, and believed that at the end of the day, you know, I, I was a salesman at heart and, um, you know, it, it, it started, you know, nine years old selling papers through the, the driveway ceiling business into then I wanted to do something year round. And then I started a heating and air conditioning company because I could do, you know, cooling in the summer and heating in the winter. And, and that was, you know, getting a list of people that just bought a new home and, and selling them on the idea of getting a more energy efficient furnace or adding some air conditioning at the time. So, so, the, you know, that ended up leading then, you know, so, uh, you know, uh, to, you know, the, the infomercial industry, but, but even along the way, there was a few other sales jobs that I had in between. I, you know, when, when I was um, 15, I was also, and, and then turned 16 uh, from the driveway ceiling, I, I was actually selling safety high chair uh, baby equipment. It's a company called Baby Tenda. So in-home sales. And, um, you know, so I just, I loved as, as a young person, a young uh, entrepreneur from the driveway ceiling to baby tended to, you know, then I was selling rust proofing for new cars. And then I started the heating and air conditioning, which was getting new homeowner lists. So, uh, you know, over that, those early days of me uh, as, as a, as, as a product of my father's, you know, um, kind of vision of, of Kevin, I, I want you to come into my business, you know, be part of this entrepreneurial um, endeavor, the restaurant industry, which, which, you know, it, he, at the end of the day, being a restaurateur, he was a salesperson too, of, of making sure people in the community and customers love to be there and come back and, and sold on, on, on his relationship with the customer. So, I mean, ultimately for me, this, this is where kind of where it all started in those early formative years, going back to nine years old on the, on the street corner through the development of various sales jobs, in-home sales, um, selling of, of myself for in, in the driveway ceiling and, and heating and air conditioning businesses and starting my own businesses. That was the foundation of, of learning these techniques. And so, um, you know, it, it was funny because I remember when I was graduating from high school, 
uh, going into college. I, I, I was a, a sponge for knowledge. And I, my father, would he would work 80 hours a week and he would have newspapers and Wall Street Journal and, and, and New York Times sitting by his, his, his chair when he would try to get some rest. But he was he, in the restaurant news and things like that. And, and he empowered me to be also someone in, in, I call it a curiosity overload, seeking lots of information and detail of what was happening out in the world. And so I started reading and from papers to books. And that's when I stumbled upon Zig Ziglar was the, that that in that transition into my freshman year of college, because this was when I really started feeling a little bit more worldly about myself as an entrepreneur. I, I had had, you know, I mentioned all the sales jobs I had, but I, you know, I went from driveway ceiling as a summer business to now being a heating and air conditioning company, which I had 25 employees, six trucks that were going out every day. And, and I now was a provider for 25 people. And I, and I felt at this point, there was a transition for me to become more of thinking about really the long term, my life ahead of me. And, and this is when I remember being introduced to Zig Ziglar and, and his techniques and, and ideas that, you know, see you at the top. And, and it was unbelievable how at, the, at, at that particular moment, I realized that Zig Ziglar was one of the one of, you know, one of the thought leaders that I wanted to be following now for the rest of my life. And this, this was in that transition in the mid 70s when I was graduating from high school, high school going into college. So um, I, I remember the, those days very vividly. And, 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 and it was the foundation for what I've done today. You know, I, I have the uh, advantage here, Kevin, of having spent a couple of days with you and really unpacking your story. And what I love is that I, I can't help but feel like we're having a little bit of a Paul Harvey moment. Uh, for those of you that remember him, where he would basically tell the end of the story and then come back and tell the beginning of the story. And and so many people know where you're at today. They, they've seen your public profile. They saw you on Shark Tank. They, they, the infomercial is obviously the infomercial today. But so few people, I think, actually know where you started. I mean, you know, I, I think I remember you telling me that uh, your dad paid you a dollar an hour, yes. you know, to work on his restaurant. And, and, and I got to tell you, selling safety high chairs at in the 70s, I, I think you said they were like 200 bucks a piece, which would be like selling a high chair today for $1,000. So, yes. I mean, you, you had to sharpen your sales skills to the highest degree, you know, as a teenager to sell a $200 safety high chair to a family. And that's the part of your story that I love so much is that, you know, not just the humble beginnings, but the fact that you were constantly searching and learning and and ultimately becoming you know a guy who really developed the reputation of of not just a salesperson because there's lots of people who can sell but i think the difference is those that can close and you know and you really learn how to close and you had mentors you had living mentors you had people you were reading books like mr ziggler and you know if you would um you know maybe uh maybe even share you know cuz i know where this goes next it goes to the infomercial business came after the heating and air and the franchise business and really it was uh, some inspiration from secrets of closing the sale that helped you grow a five billion dollar infomercial business. Do you do you remember any of those uh, secrets or or the? I know you you shared with me, uh, but wait, there's more. 
But uh, what are a couple of your favorite closes that you remember? Because there's a lot of people that are selling. I, we're all kind of in the sales business. So do you happen to remember a couple of your favorite closes from, from those days? Well, yes. So, so you know, here I was as, as I was transitioning, you, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, I, I, um, all the way back. And then, and then when I, and in fact, actually forgot to even mention, you know, the franchising days because, um, you know, after I was in the heating and air business, I sold the business and, and then I searched looking to get into something. And so we, I started a business brokerage and, and, and franchising business. So, um, you know, that, that was, you know, helping other people find, their dreams. And because I had been through a couple of businesses and I decided, you know, there's so many great opportunities out there. Let me, let me have a business that gives me exposure to great opportunities and, and then allow other people to, uh, to, to see some of the things that I was seeing. And that's, you know, was, was accumulating a, a number of franchises to sell was part of that structure. So, so yes, I, I remember when I, I'd be sitting with, with somebody and they're buying a business or they're buying a heating and air conditioning system. And, and even then when we got into infomercials, it was p- important that we would make sure that we gave them an, an analysis because when someone's going to buy, let's say a, you know, a heating and air conditioning system, you know, this might be a, you know, at that time, a two or $3,000 purchase. And, you know, in today's world, that might be six, eight or $10,000, right? Cause this was back in the seventies and eighties. So, um, we would, we would talk about, you know, the Ben Franklin close, for example, you know, it's, you know, uh, when Ben Franklin had to make a decision, you know, he would take a piece of paper and draw a line across the top and one down the middle. And, and they would have the reasons why you should do this and the reasons on one side and the reasons why you shouldn't on the other side. So, you know, the Ben Franklin close was, you know, was one that I just loved because, you know, of course, as the salesman that I was, I could find, you know, dozens of reasons why they should, you know, be purchasing that air conditioning and heating system. It was energy efficient and it was, you know, there was going to, you know, be very uh, cool in the, in that hot 95 degree summer weather. And, and also I, you know, we had an analysis that they paid for the air conditioning, maybe without, if they didn't buy it, they sometimes paid for it because they would, you know, get out of the house. It was so hot. They would drive to the mall and spend money on things that they didn't have budgeted. And so it, uh, you know, stay in the air conditioned home and you won't be spending all that money at the mall with the kids. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, I love these kind of, mental states that you could put people in because when when I got done listing you know a dozen or 18 or 20 different reasons why they should be doing this and now let's talk about maybe a few reasons why not then you know th- they were usually not able to come up with very many because I had answered so many of the potential objections and then I think you know if if they did so now we're using the Ben Franklin close but then if they did have something, and a lot of times it, it revolved around money, possibly. Oh, okay. Well, great. Yes, you've got all the great reasons why. Well, now, you, you know, but you forgot, Kevin, um, you, you know, what about the money that I need that I don't have necessarily in the bank? So now, as I would then have, you know, 18 reasons why they need to buy and one reason why they maybe can't, now we could isolate that objection and and then focus on if, if we can isolate the objection and then overcome that one and make sure that that is the only thing standing in the way of the sale, uh, we can now close the sale. So, you know, I think you know, there was, you know, two techniques used there between the Ben Franklin 
close and isolating the objection close so that you could, you know, move them into seeing uh, how they could do it. And, and that obviously involved some kind of a financing plan because, you know, in, in, in those early days, I, I remember we represented various, you know, um, I think it was Associates Finance and one of the local banks. We had their paperwork. We were authorized to take the credit information right in the home. And we, you know, we were able to sell, a, you know, a multi-thousand dollar system for, you know, 50, 60, 80 dollars a month or something. So by the time you know, even in the baby tender world, of, you know, a 200 dollar sale. Uh, we could we could get them two years of financing at you know nine dollars a month or something you know it was it was an amazing way uh, that if somebody really wanted something we found a way to make sure that they could do it so um, yeah this closing techniques and and when when I got into um, really understanding the that if you know if I was going to go out on ten sales in a week if you know on ten appointments rather um, you know a, a good salesman. Uh, a poor salesman would come back with three sales, a good salesman would come back with six, and a great salesman could come back with eight to close this. And so uh, the difference between three and eight was a big difference on the bottom line, the commission structure, the, the growth of the business. And so utilizing Zig Ziglar's sales closing techniques were was so powerful. And um, and and the, the beauty of this, Mark, uh, was that here I was the entrepreneur and I was actually still in college when, you know, when I started heating and air conditioning, for example, um, I was able to, you know, empower my people that were working for me because, you know, I had to duplicate myself as, and, and this was Zig Ziglar's strength was he, yes, he was a motivational expert and a sales closing guru, but he, if you, it was following his techniques, learning how to do it, from people like like Zig, that that was the difference between success and failure. So it you know it was me being able to show my salespeople how to utilize Zig Ziglar's techniques. Also, that was the turning point for me as an entrepreneur. So we could just utilize his success patterns, and he was the teacher. And so that that was where things turned for me was being able to show his success, Zig Ziglar's success as a salesperson and let my salespeople learn from Zig Ziglar. Yeah. A couple of things. One, the, the, but wait, there's more. I, I, I want that t-shirt. And I actually thought, you know, that's, I want that as a prophecy on my life. I'm going to make that my signature from here on. I think, but wait, there's more, uh, who doesn't want that? You know, the Ben Franklin thing, I have not thought about that in a while as a kid who grew up on Zig Ziglar. That's any decision that I had, you know, for my, for my life or purchasing, whatever, that was it. The pros and cons list that I was instructed to follow. Uh, thanks for bringing that memory back. Well, friends, I sure hope you're getting value here. I know I am again, go to Kevin Harrington TV to connect with all Kevin has for you. Then leave us an iTunes review and tell Kevin and the Ziegler team and the world what you've gotten from the show and from Ziegler. Well, hey, here are two really cool services and offers that we have curated just for you, the Ziegler listeners. First is iFit. In our world today, it is impossible to ensure that you're getting all the needed nutrients into your body 
for great health. iFit Nourish is a customized protein drink that's packed with all the essential nutrients you need. iFit Nourish, it's unlike any other nutritional shake. It allows you to personalize your mix while delivering the highest quality of fruits, veggies, and protein, plus 25 essential vitamins and minerals. I got mine recently and put in my personal stats, what type of exercise I do, what I want to achieve, whether muscle gain or weight loss or, or whatever iFit Nourish is they're passionate and picky about their ingredients. So there's no artificial flavors, no added colors, no preservatives, no fillers ever, which is a must for me personally. iFit Nourish focuses on the basics of human nutrition. So every single ingredient in your formula is included for a reason and backed with extensive research. I can vouch that it tastes great. It mixes easily. Uh, I have lately not been doing breakfast, doing one of these shakes for lunch and then enjoying a nice dinner. I love how it makes me feel. Well, here's the offer for Ziggler listeners. Go to ifitnourish.com slash Ziggler for a free 14-serving bag of iFit Nourish mix and a shaker bottle. It's hassle-free, 100% convenient. Again, ifitnourish.com slash Ziggler to create your unique mix today. Well, the next one is WP Engine. It is a managed hosting for WordPress sites. It's done right. 5% of the world visits a site hosted on WP Engine every day. It's highly scalable, perfect for bloggers looking to grow their WordPress sites. They have around-the-clock support, enterprise-grade security, expert recommendations for maximum page performance, and hey, it's what we use here at Ziggler. So go to zigshow.com slash WP Engine and use this code Fall 600, F-A-L-L 600 at checkout. You'll get up to 600 bucks off of your first month. Uh, question on sales in your organizations, you know, as you just talked about, as you're imparting your uh, skills, what you've learned to folks on the, on the aspect of sales, regardless of somebody being in a specific sales role. Now, of course, Zig would say we're all in sales, but in your organizations, is that something that you put a high priority on in everybody's training across the board, sales skills? Yes. Yes. Sales at the end of the day, we were a sales organization at every level. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget when, when we would hire a receptionist because um, we had a lot of people coming to see us on a daily basis. We wanted a very happy, smiling person that, you know, that, that represented us very well. Cause I, you know, there's so many times when I get to a, a company's um, you know, I travel across country and, you know, get off the airplane, get in a taxi. It's an eight hour process to get somewhere. You walk into their office and, and you got somebody that, that, that doesn't even want to greet you uh, sitting there. And it's like, you know, we started right at the front desk, right? So, um, so our receptionist, had to have that smile and can I get you some coffee and what can I do for you and how was your trip and so you know we had you know scripting in in place for for that person and then so here we are in organization Let, let's talk about moving now into the, this um uh, as seen on tv infomercial world so so it 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 was vital that our infomercials were selling vehicles because we you know we could we would put out shows and, and, you know, when, when you've got 30 minutes in order, you know, to capture the sale, um, every single word became important. And so we learned that, you know, we were, you know, an infomercial is, is, is exactly a 30 minute sales 
pitch. And so we, we had to follow systems and techniques and, and, and processes. And then, then even to this point, and this, this was something that was a breakthrough for us because, um, so, so it was always, you know, a, one of the challenges of our world, we always gave at the end of the, the, the messaging, the 30 minutes, you know, and, and obviously we love the, but wait, there's more for sure, Kevin, that was a good one. But we also said a 30 day money back guarantee. So now, so because this now was empowering the relationship, which was a Zig Ziglar, you know, uh, power statement is, you know, having that long-term relationship. We want you to be happy. We're going to, if you're not happy for whatever reason, you can just pick up the phone and return the product and we're going to give you your money back. Now that, now when we offered that, Again, you got to remember, there was no, this was not an in-home situation. So there was no actual bonding that we could, we could create there. But we, you know, we, we tried to do it through the infomercial. And, and now this is the technique that we use, though. When, when people did want to return the product, we asked them to call us for a return authorization. It's called an RA. And so now we had a chance to talk to them because, again, we wanted to establish this long-term relationship with these customers, you know, see you at the top, Zig Ziglar style, right? So, so don't just, you know, yes, we're going to give you a 30 minute, a 30 day money back guarantee, but we want you to call us first to get that return authorization. Now we have a chance to connect with the customer and find out, well, what was it that you didn't like about the product? And by the way, we, at one point, this was called customer service, right? Our customer to service department started out as an expense inside the company where, okay, people want to return, right? So what do you, you, do you want them just to get the, okay, thank you for calling to return it. Here's your return authorization. Or do we want to set up a bonding experience with the customer? And by the way, not only did we reduce the returns so we could take a product that was at 10% returns without any kind of bonding with the customer and now talk those folks and find out maybe they weren't using it right. Maybe they never even opened the box. Okay. So like, you know, Hey, um, I got it. I just had buyer's remorse. I didn't even try. Well, look, you gotta, you you gotta do one thing for me. Try that product first because you're going to love it. And now if after you try it, you really don't want to keep it, then you can call me back for that return authorization and I'll be right here to take your call. But, you know, so now we could take those returns from 10% down to 6% and actually create upselling events where once we got the customer to understand, well, wait a minute, you know, you've got, you know, somebody that wanted to lose weight, for example, let's say we're selling a weight loss product. Okay, well, you ordered the basic supply and you want to return it. Well, you know, let me talk to you about that and get to know what their goals are. And oh, they want to lose 30 pounds. Sometimes we could turn it around and actually double the order at that point and ship them out some more products. So, you know, we, we created an upsell event and actually we, we at times we could become a profitable side of the business because if you looked at the, the business at a flat 10 percent return, and now you've, you've reduced the returns from 10 to 6, and you've sold product, you're actually creating a profit center inside the company instead of a cost, uh, uh, an expense item inside the company. So our customer salespeople were salespeople. So I'm curious, uh, yeah, I'm curious with, you know, as you look at sales, whether it's an infomercial or, or another format, 
I, the points of making a sale are not going to change through the span of time for the most part, but I am curious if with you having been involved at such a deep level for so long, has the content evolved? Has the, has the, uh, you know, the story of the product or the way it is delivered evolved in a response to the changing marketplace in any significant way, or is it pretty much just the same? You know, I, I would say this, that the, the content is pretty similar, actually. It's, you know, and, 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 I, and, and I think that when you look at it, what's happened is in some, it, it sometimes shifts around how it, it gets done. I mean, in the old days, the, and, and let me go back to the early days of infomercials, they were 30-minute shows. Now, we still run 30-minute shows, but they're because of the attention span maybe being a little less today, mm-hmm. we, we still create these, these selling pods inside 30 minutes, but we actually have three 10-minute pods. So, so they're, they're, it's still the same content. We just organize it a little bit differently. So the, the, the bottom line structure of, of Zig Ziglar's closing techniques is, is, has remained the same. It's just sometimes how it gets organized and, and, and how it gets uh, presented. So, um, for example, Zig Ziglar's, you know, it, his foundation is the, you know, building the relationship with the customer. And I think that, you know, and, and this goes back to, to, to Zig as, as, as a salesperson when, when he was selling back in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. And, and so now here we are, it's 2017. And what is so important? Authenticity to these millennials. Okay. You know, yeah. why is authenticity important? Because they, they, they don't want this hard close pitch that they think you're just trying to get over on them. Right. And so, so it's so important today with these, these videos that we create now in, in when we go viral with things, it's, it, you can't just give people a hard pitch and, you know, uh, and expect the, the, you know, sales to be made so fast. You have to create that relationship and that authentic uh, bonding kind of situation. So, um, so more so today, the authenticity is so vital to be real, to, to connect with the customer, to have that long-term relationship. And so, you know, we're, it's again, going all the way back to all of these fundamental techniques that Zig Ziglar created back in the day that, you know, the secrets of closing the sale have, have, you know, they've listed and, and the, the demonstration of those throughout Zig's life, and it's it's now coming full circle to being able. We've utilized them in infomercials. We've utilized them now in the latest digital techniques of of the things that we do today: advertising on Facebook and Pinterest and Instagram and social media, and utilizing social media influencers. So it's that is one of the the, the reasons why I'm so excited about what the what Zig Ziglar has brought to the world for all of us now is that the content is still needed and it's still there. It's just sometimes how it gets structured and 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 the ultimate um the the, the ultimate message, the, the delivery method that we're using. Yeah, I love that uh, because you know when when we were unpacking you know your whole system behind infomercials, you know, my whole world in 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 recent years has been digital marketing. And, you know, to some extent, I assume that digital marketing kind of just evolved as digital delivery came around only to figure out that 
really what you were doing, you know, decades ago in infomercials has really inspired and is very, very similar to what's happening in digital marketing today. It's just the delivery means is different. You have to take into consideration that someone's watching it on their phone and not a, not a TV. And so, you know, so the delivery means has changed. But man, when you were talking about the early days of infomercials and I apply that to digital marketing, it is unbelievably similar in terms of strategy, in terms of what you're actually taking the customer through. Yes, it evolves a little bit based on the evolved preferences of, of the who you're marketing to. But man, there's a lot of similarity between where you were at in infomercials, which was creating that relationship through a TV. Now we're doing it through the internet and through phones, but so similar. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm curious, you mentioned a couple of things, you know, one having to organize differently because of a shorter attention span in, in the populace, uh, which makes sense. But the other thing that you said on authenticity, I I'm curious about your take on that, how it's affecting the marketplace. And thus from that, uh, our business models, our sales efforts. I mean, right now here in podcasting, we're seeing it go through the roof and seeing this massive influx of advertisers to the podcasting arena. And I'm hearing that some of them are leaving some of the other arenas and coming over here. And my, my take on it, I keep talking about the Paul Harvey effect. I actually just typed it in to see, did I coin that or, or, or not? I'm going to claim it. I'm going to claim it because I can't find it anywhere, but the Paul Harvey effect of looking for somebody to trust. And so they're clambering to somebody. I mean, Tim Ferriss right now has become one of the biggest trust agents in podcasting. And I, th I think uh, even a, a bigger scope because people are coming to him, paying him whatever they can to get him just to speak and endorse their product. Is that something that you're seeing that we're, because, because of this information age, this digital age, we're, we're so inundated, uh, so overwhelmed with so much information, so many pitches that we're now going to an individual who we trust to tell us what product is legitimate. It's kind of the consumer reports aspect. Absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> think of, yeah, I, I, exactly. I think, you know, when I, when I think of the way that 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 people are selling today um you know it it i know i know so many influencers and that they they basically are connecting with the people that are following them and saying this is what i use you know today and and so they're, they're you know they're, they're going to their medicine cabinet pulling something out and saying you know let me show you you know, how I can achieve a certain effect, you know, like if, if a girl is selling makeup, you know? And so, um, I mean, Kylie Jenner, for example, she's 20 years old. And so, so she, she goes and grabs a product that she uses. And this is how I do it. And this is what I use that authentic appeal to her fans. She's created a $400 million beauty business just here in the last 18 months by just sharing with her friends and her fans, how she achieves these looks and, and demonstrates it right there live on the internet. There, there, it's not even on TV. It's not in a retail store. There's no store involved. It's, it's her connecting authentically with people that are following her in a yeah. direct basis and a real basis that these, that the, these young um, social media influencers are using today. And, and as you mentioned, Kevin, you know, podcasters, obviously you're, you know, you're connecting with people that want to listen to you as a thought leader and, and Tim Ferriss, et cetera. And so, I mean, it's funny because I think Tim Ferriss had a little box he was sending out on a, it was either monthly or quarterly, and I can't remember what he called it, but 
I subscribed to it. Okay. And you know, every three months, I think I would get Tim's picks Uh and you know, he would send me a, I remember getting a, a, it was a protein bar made out of, uh, um, and some kind of crazy uh, ants that were crushed up. Yeah, yeah I remember you know? that. <laughs> I don't know if you ever got that one or not, but you know, it's you know, and it's like it was very a uh, 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 very high protein or something, and it actually yeah. tasted pretty good. So you know, I mean, but these are you know, th- this is the authenticity in the marketplace today, and you know, we can all take it right back to Zig Ziglar, who really you know really pioneered this this whole way of selling because it, you know there was no one more authentic. Than, than Zig Ziglar in connecting with his customers in the in the long run. I mean that's that 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 was that was the beginning of it all in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And, and folks, I want everybody listening just to hear some of the things that Kevin talked about there. He mentioned the word influencers, thought leaders, which again is back to the heart of sales. I just want to impress that on, on everyone. I want to shift a little bit. You are incredibly well known as one of the original sharks on Shark Tank. And we have a significant, uh, the demographic of our Ziggler audience and really even the, the business and personal development podcasting audience is people who are involved in their own businesses, involved in side hustles as, as Chris Gillibo just led us through a couple of days ago. Um, but, but they're in business, a lot of ideas, a lot of small business endeavors and money is such a big issue, which you guys hit on so hard in Shark Tank. So I want to ask again, kind of looking at the climate of business today, do you see because of the ability to have an idea, to put it online and to hit a global audience in essence, is there more call for people to be looking for investment money, whether that comes from loans, friends and family, angels, VC, whatever? Is there more need for that because the ability to scale up so quickly is bigger? Yes, absolutely. I think it, it, this is how I would frame, frame the view of, of that, Kevin. When I think back, you know, when I was, you know, growing up, my, you know, my, I have, I'm one of six kids, grew up Cincinnati, Ohio, um, and my, I have older brothers and sisters. Um, my one sister married a lawyer. My other sister married a doctor. My brother grew up in a corporate world. They worked for Gillette. You know, it was a corporate environment. People would, they'd work for a company for many, many years. My brother worked for Gillette for 20 years and, you know, it's get, get the corporate watch. And, and, you know, my, again, the other, you know, went through college and my sisters were teachers and, you know, it was, it was college, it was corporate. Um, and, and, and then I came along and I was the entrepreneur. And so that, that was very cool for me. But, but I think, you know, today, when you look at families, um, the, the, some of these teenagers are starting out with, uh, you mentioned the word side hustle and a recent uh, um, a podcast you had um, not too long ago. And so I think what I'm seeing, because I'm, I'm working with entrepreneurs at all levels, I actually, you know, I'm involved with the Collegiate Entrepreneurs Organization. It's called CEO, and it's, an, it's a nonprofit organization that mentors college students that want to be entrepreneurs. It's on 270 campuses around the world. And, and, and I'm a, you know, one of the mentors inside the CEO and all these college kids, they, you know, yes, they're in school, but they don't necessarily, they don't want to go to work for a corporation necessarily. They want their own business. They've, they've got some tech idea. They want to build an app. They want to do this. They want to do that. They want to control their own destiny. And so I think what's happening is, you know, I call it the gig economy and gig meaning, Hey, it's a weekend gig. Well, how, how come Uber is successful? 
because, hey, you got your own car. You can get a weekend gig and make some money this weekend. You don't need to go work for, you know, a bank and 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 and, and spend the next 10 years of your life working on a, an hourly basis. You know, you can get a weekend gig and do something in this gig economy. So I, I think in a, I think they said by the year 2020, 50 percent of the millennials are going to be in this gig economy. So, you know, th- this is to me, very powerful because one of the mistakes that I made, and when I talk about entrepreneurship and I, I speak you know, all over the world um, on a weekly basis, I'm traveling somewhere, I talk about my ups and my downs. And, and one of the mistakes that I made is, is I was building one of, my, one of my businesses back in the 90s is <clears throat> I wanted to control everything. I wanted to have my own customer service center, my own fulfillment center, my own media company, my own... Uh, a production company, and I had 500 employees before I knew what hit me. And and now, when in in a little bit of a slowdown, you know, we, we the overheads were crippling me. So so we now have converted to outsourcing everything. We're we're now more of a virtual company because we can utilize gig services for customer service, for fulfillment, for this, for that. And so I believe that you know the you know the world is is just taking off. In fact, Task Rabbit just got acquired uh, by, um, I believe, Ikea. And, and Ikea, as a big furniture company and, you know, company with retail locations, TaskRabbit is, you know, people that want to just do some local tasks and, and, and do things on this gig basis. They need people to help them install these, you know, uh, oh. uh, and put the screws into the furniture that they sell. Right. And so, so you know, the, the, the world of, of these, these gig kind of opportunities and people starting their own businesses what do they need generally when they're doing this? They need capital, right? So, so yes, this is one of the reasons why shows like Shark Tank have been amazingly successful because people have an idea. They don't want to go working for that bank nine to five. They want to be in this entrepreneurial world and make, you call it a side hustle or, or, or the guy that you had on, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I call it a spare time opportunity also. And, and I think this is the wave of the future and, and why people are coming out looking for not just capital, but they're looking for mentorship and they're looking for, I say, why do people go on Shark Tank? They go on Shark Tank. Yes, they want money, but they want those sharks to join their team, become part of the dream team to open up their Rolodex and help them go through the, the, the process of getting their idea, not just funded, but helping it become more successful by, by empowering those, those ideas and entrepreneurs with connections and, and, and Rolodex opportunities. Okay. On that, you mentioned idea and we have, obviously, if you've got a small business and you're making some money and you need some money, there's things, I mean, you can look at the collateral, you can look at the, the revenue and, and projections from there, but back to just the idea folks, I was reading about Casper, the mattress company that's just made such a big hit recently. And these guys had a great idea, but to launch it, which they can do in a massive way because of the, the online world, they have to have inventory of mattresses. I mean, there's money. So they could really, I think they had a few prototypes and that was it. Uh, they couldn't do anything without some money. They went, I think they got nose from, you know, 20 different investors, finally found a guy who gave them uh, a million three in seed money. And then boom, there's the rest of the story. So, so back to the people who just have an idea and feel fairly impotent to prove everything because they're not in business yet and they need money, where would you steer them in regards to loans, friends and family, angels, uh, you know, venture capital? Where, where would you steer them? 
So, you know, that, that's a great question. And I, I love the Casper story. And, and by the way, the Casper took it even one step further. Target just invested, I think, um, I think, I don't know, it was 60 million or something into Casper because they're a retailer. And what's happening is as the, you know, as Amazon, and, which is a direct to the consumer company, um, you know, is, is hurting the retailers. The retailers are understanding they need to be partnering with some of these people with ideas. So, so I think, um, you know, where do you, where do people with ideas get funding? Um, you know, number one, you always start with people that are very close to you. Um, and I, and, and, you know, and some people, you know, don't like to ask their relatives for money, but you know, it's a good place to start just to get some of that initial seed capital. Um, and you know, cause look, I mean, you know, some people are afraid to ask, you know, uh, people that are too close to them, but mm-hmm. as long as you explain that there's a little bit of risk involved that, Oh, don't make any big wild promises that, Oh, I need 25,000 and you're going to get back a million dollars or something, you know, Hey, I need 25,000 and it's a little bit risky. And I, you know, I think there's a way to approach people that are close to you so that, you know, and maybe you approach them also asking for some advice. So, you know, folks that, and, and, and some, you're not going to approach somebody for 25,000 if that's all they have in their, their life. You know, you're not asking someone for their life savings to take that risk. You're, you're looking, you know, I had an uncle that, um, was worth, you know, t- tens of millions of dollars. And he was very, very successful on Wall Street. And at one point in my relationship with him, uh, you know, I had approached him to uh, invest in one of my ideas. And $80,000 for him was, you know, he was throwing those kind of deals out to other people that he didn't know. So would he like to have his, his nephew, you know, taken care of? So, and he actually got his money back plus a return. So, you know, the bottom line is start close, then you can go to, um, you know, crowdfunding opportunities. You can go to Kickstarter. You can go to, there's something now called Reggae Plus, which is an equity crowdfunding. Um, you can get, you can go to investment bankers. You can go to a, other angels. I own a, a company called Angel Investors Network. And we have, you know, thousands of investors as part of our company that invest in, in people's ideas. So um, this is something that I've set up so that we can empower many people with ideas. So so you, you start with relatives and friends and, and angels and and then you got to start going down the line also how about suppliers that might be that in your world that you might be utilizing at one time here I was in this as seen on TV industry I needed phone centers to take my calls fulfillment centers to ship my products banks to process my orders um, all of these service suppliers right guess what I raised two million dollars getting a, you know a media company that I said, I'll give you the exclusive rights to my media for the next three years. I need a half a million dollar upfront um, advance against something, right? So we, 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 we got advances from the various people we were doing business with, phone centers, fulfillment centers, media companies, et cetera. And then they got my business. They got their money back. They made a lot of money off me supplying me services, and it was a win-win. So they helped me grow so they could take more phone calls and more media and more everything. So, so it, when, when, when you're starting out, you also, you know, I'll meet an inventor and he says, oh, I've had this idea for two years, but I have no money, so I haven't been able to do anything. Why, why not go to a lawyer who will put the patent work together for a percentage of the future? You can go to a, a someone to do the graphics and, and the, and the uh, engineering 
that might take a little piece of the deal. You can get someone that make the molds for a little piece of the deal, partner in that deal. So, um, you know, I, I've assembled a, a, a Rolodex of entrepreneurial service providers from lawyers to manufacturers. You know, you don't have to always, you know, Casper, they made a couple prototypes, but guess what? There's, there's a company called Carpenter right here in the United States that makes uh, memory foam mattresses. Maybe they would invest in some idea because they're going to get a piece of the, the, of the company. So you just have to get creative and, and start and you think about all the people that maybe could benefit from your business and from your idea. Start approaching some of those people and, and in, in, in including you know, other money kinds of people that are in the business of helping raise money. And that ultimately becomes like an investment banker type. So it, there's, there's, I will say this, in today's world, because we've got the idea economy now, um, you know, there's many, many, many sources, so many more today than when I was a young entrepreneur. I mean, when I was a young entrepreneur, I had to go to the banks and try to get money. There weren't, you know, all kinds of other opportunities. We didn't have crowdfunding and yeah. the same kind of mentality. And, and, and I think at, at the end of the day, because companies like Casper have started with an idea, got that million bucks after 20 no's and got that million three and then built a multi-hundred million dollar business, those stories is what propels the rest of the marketplace to be open to giving some money for new ideas coming along. So it's a great environment right now out there in the entrepreneurial world. Man, thank you. That's a huge value to, to our listeners because such a, such a hot topic. So here, as, as, we, as we wind down here, I got a couple personal questions. You are known for your successes in selling a dramatic amount of products. So I'm going to ask you about a couple non-successes. Name a product that you were involved with, had a lot of confidence in that didn't make it. It flopped and why? Okay. All right. Uh, you know, and, and so th- it's a great question, Kevin, because when I, um, you know, we, we've, you know, we've had, you know, uh, I've done over 500 products out in the marketplace, mm-hmm. but I'll say that more of them have failed mm-hmm. than have succeeded. So, um, and you know, when, when I show the, the, the video, of the, I call it a sizzle reel of my successes. I said, when I'll get in front of a crowd, I'll say, you know, you just watched all my successes, but for every one of those that work, you, you, you know, there's, many more that didn't work. And so I'm, I'm the first one to, to share some of those failures, but we got involved with celebrities, you know, early on and, you know, started, you know, we using, you know, various kinds of, you know, I mean, I, I was involved with, with Chris Jenner, you know, back in the nineties and, and we started doing, you know, fitness products and, and things like that. But as, and, and we had success, but you know, we'd hit one and then three or four would fail. Same thing with Tony little, but one day, uh, you know, Chubby Checker was one of the most, you know, he, he created the, the, you know, the song, the twist, right. And the movement of the twist. And he was a very famous guy and, and had been successful his whole life. So he created a fitness product that was a, it, it, his idea was if, if I can use music to help you, uh, uh, lose weight, you know, let's have some fun while you lose weight. Right. So, he created a product called the Twisticizer, and it was it was a, a fitness machine that you twisted and exercised to music that he created. And so um, it actually was very cumbersome, bulky, expensive. It was selling. It was a five hundred dollar machine that he created, and it had these little phonograph things that you slid on down below on your your feet. Okay, and you had a twisting motion with your arms. Kind of hard to des- describe it here just through audio, but. 
Um, visually, it, it was a bulky, clunky kind of a thing, but I got caught up in his celebrity. <laughs> and so um, I invested in the Twistizer. And so we, we actually lost a half a million dollars engineering it, manufacturing it. We went from prototype all the way through. And, and I, I always say, I said, if someone named Chubby walks in your office to sell something that's fitness oriented, next time I'm going to say no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> All right. So, so I love that story. So we got to follow that one up because I know the listeners are going to love this and, and I know they're going to love that story. Okay. The, the, the last question here on the personal basis is, was there ever a product that you passed on that later became a big success and you kind of regretted or you're just like, mm, miss that one. Yeah. So uh, it's a great, great story. I, I have, we were pioneers in, in the fitness world way back. And uh, Tony little is a great friend of mine. And, and when I met Tony in 1989, he was a personal trainer and a bodybuilder. And, and we did his first infomercial um, became very successful. It was called Target Training. And then we did his next infomercial called The Ab Isolator. And, and then we got involved in many of his things, including, you know, the Gazelle and you know, make, you know, built a, a great business with Tony Little over the years. But, you know, one day, one of the guys that was working inside my company, very, you know, entrepreneurial young, um, young person, he created an idea that he said, look, I, I want to start my own business. And we empowered many entrepreneurs in our in our environment. So, um, you know, because think about it this way, uh, somebody like Tony Little comes in and all of my employees were seeing him make millions of dollars, okay? I mean, literally tens of millions of dollars in royalties. So um, so now if, if you're an entrepreneurial thinker and you're seeing somebody with an idea make tens of millions of dollars, what do you do? You come up with your own ideas, right? So Carl Deichler said, you know what? Tony Little is is one way to go and he was had some energy and you know and and he was a great salesman and you know uh presenter on tv but but carl carl dykler came up with an idea called he, he said i want to help women and it wasn't just going to be women but when you think about it the, the term beach body is 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 kind of female oriented right you know he says i want to help women achieve their beach body right you know a body that they would love to go out and hang out on the beach with right so so it, carl created Beachbody and he and Carl had worked for me he ran a, a, a division in our company called Quantum Satellite Programming my company at that time was called Quantum and we had were putting out satellite uh, distribution of many of our infomercials out to TV stations all around the country and Carl said Kevin I'm 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 going to be on my own I'm going to start my own company and we empowered people because as an entrepreneur I actually realized that you know, you can't keep an entrepreneur down. What What am I going to say to Carl? No, you have to stay at, working for me at $60,000 a year. I don't want you to go make millions, you know? So, you know, good luck, go for it. But, you know, I was offered a piece of Beachbody when it was first starting and I declined it um, because I was involved with Tony Little. And, you know, I, you know, it, what was interesting in the early days is we sometimes would think something might be a conflict because, oh, well, we're already in this fitness world, right? Well, 
what I didn't realize is that there's plenty of room for many more fitness people besides Tony Little, right? There's, there's dozens of them out there, right? So um, I wish Carl good luck. And he went off and created an unbelievable billion dollar business now um, that's now called Beachbody. So, um, you know, it, it, Carl was, was, he was an unbelievable entrepreneur um, in, in, you know, that I didn't realize when he was an employee that he had such vision, but, um, you know, th- there is, is an unbelievable company. Beachbody did P90X. They own, um, the Beachbody multi-level marketing company, direct selling company, and he's created a, a, an unbelievable company, a billion dollar brand. Ah. That's that's a great story. That's a hard one to miss out on. All right, well, we could keep going, but uh, we we've got we got another show to do with you here. So I want to wrap this one up. You, I found this on your blog, and I, I don't know weeks back, months back, uh, and I want I want to land right here. The title of it was the main question every entrepreneur must answer at some point during the journey of success. The answer: What do you want your legacy? to be legacy, huge Ziegler focus. Uh, Tom Ziegler talks a lot on that. So I'll wrap by asking you, Kevin Harrington, what do you want your legacy to be? Well, I want my legacy to be that I was the guy that, you know, not only was obviously I've, I've had some, some great success over the years in my own business. Um, you know, um, starting, you know, as a, as a door-to-door salesman, you know, back in, back in the day and then built, you know, my, my infomercial business and my as seen on TV business into, you know, a global success. That's, that's all well and good. And, you know, I was able, you know, to learn how to build my own business, but my legacy is, is that I want, I'm going to be helping others build their businesses. And that's, that's really what, you know, what my focus is, is, um, you know, as I think I mentioned earlier, um, I'm, I'm involved with the, the Collegiate Entrepreneurs Organization. It's a nonprofit organization where, where we help others build their businesses, their ideas, take it to the next step. And I think, you know, I think when, when I look at, at, at Zig Ziglar and all the things that I learned from him, um, I, I think, it, you know, one of the most powerful beliefs that he had that I love. And it's my, my, probably my number one uh, with Zig is, is, you know, you can get what you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want. And I think that that ultimately is my, this next stage of my life. I, I spent the first 30 years of my life kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Cause I, I went to all these different businesses and from driveway ceiling to heating and air conditioning. And then at the sort of towards the, the tail end of that 30 years, I got into infomercials. And, and so that was the first 30 years of my life. And then the next 30 years of my life, I spent building those businesses and, and creating, you know, billions of dollars in sales. But now I want to spend the next 30 years of my life helping others and empowering others to build their businesses and taking their ideas to the next level because there's I, I've learned quite a bit. I've had my ups, I've had my downs, and now if I can just share that with the new entrepreneurs that are coming out, you know that's that's what I want to leave with the world is you know I want to be the entrepreneur's entrepreneur to help other entrepreneurs take their ideas to the fullest and greatest potential possible by helping them learn from from the ups and the downs that I've had in my life. 
All right, I want to point out something real quick before we wrap here because the uh, show that people will hear in a couple of days, we're going to talk about your healthy habits. So don't answer, don't don't comment to this yet. But on the health side of it, you just said you want to dev- devote the next thirty years of your life. You're sixty. That's taking you to ninety. Uh, that's going to take some uh, some some physical horsepower there. So, uh, folks, you got that to listen to in the next show. We'll see what Kevin Harrington does in his life. The healthy habits are going to help him be thriving at uh, 90 years old to do what he wants to do. Um, what a great, what a great message you've given us today. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks for taking time out to be here to talk to our audience. And uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be the, uh, the spoiler here and say that, uh, you know, Kevin has been pretty clear about his legacy and what he wants to do with his legacy. And part of making the next 30 years, a reality of, of helping entrepreneurs is that uh, Kevin has actually raised his hand to get uh, get involved and uh, and really extend and even join the legacies of Zig Ziglar and Kevin Harrington. And, uh, you know, there's going to be a whole lot more coming out about that. But if, if you're listening and you enjoyed uh, Kevin's story and you saw the similarities of direct selling and door-to-door selling like Mr. Ziglar and the focus on relationships, I think you'll find it no surprise why Kevin Harrington and Zig Ziglar's name needs to be mentioned a whole lot more in a whole lot more conversations and a whole lot more legacy built around that. So stay tuned for more of that as well as this all unfolds. Kevin, thanks so much for being with us. Hey, my pleasure. I loved it. Loved every bit of it. It It's fantastic. Thanks for having me. Folks, that was rich and inspiring. Again, you can connect with Kevin at kevinharrington.tv. And if you got value, let us know. Leave us an iTunes review, please. Well, coming up next in show 508, we find out what Kevin Harrington's personal success habits are. Some points that we found out, he's the same weight at 60 as he was when he graduated high school. And he absolutely looks it. He has a 15-minute hotel workout ritual. Uh, He believes taking care of his fellow man is the most important thing. He has a 30-year legacy plan for his career. Do the math. That's going to take him to age 90. He has a lot of fun, and his personal just investments are attending sporting events. So, hey, you'll really enjoy listening to his personal habits. Till then, thank you for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.